0: Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the but Bud will thank our friends, Louisiana Hot Sauces as always, as they are, the title sponsor. When I was making my eggs Sunday morning, uh, just a little bit of a, a nicer feeling to be able to season just about anything with a little bit of Louisiana Hot Sauce after a, a victory. I always want to uh, thank our friends in New Iberia, and uh, yeah, with that, we'll jump into a Discussion here, and try to make sense both good and bad out of what we saw as Florida State climbs to two and two on the season. Uh, with a nice, solid little victory Louisville, over Louisville, thirty-five
1: to twenty-four. Yeah, hey, a, a good win, a multi-score win that we didn't have to sweat out at all, right? Yeah, I saw they, they got off to a good start and uh, <laughs> and, and, and won, by, won by multiple scores. No, uh, no, no sweat involved. Oh well.
0: Yeah, right, no, hey, de- definitely steps. not a period in the third and beginning of the fourth quarter where you sat there and went into full mental meltdown mode uh, about everything possible. But uh, a
1: victory at the end of the day. If you look at the advanced box scores, um, there are certain cells that, like, glow bright red or bright green. And uh, uh, specifically here, third quarter success rate allowed defense. Have you seen this? I'm, I'm sending this to you right now on GChat. Uh, that one that blow, that really, really glows, uh, bright green, 78% success rate for Louisville uh, on in the third quarter. None of their other success rates in any other quarter were higher than 42. So that is a kind of a major outlier there. But look, overall, it is a, I would say, a good win for Florida State. It's a win that answered some questions I had about this team, namely, like, would they keep playing hard for Willie Taggart, right? That was a legitimate question that we raised in the the uh, the preview episode, because hey, let's face it, this, these group of players have quit before. They quit on Willie last season. They quit on Jimbo. They they quit. These are some of the same guys who had to you know sign play hard contracts. Now they weren't really the guys not playing hard at the time, but this has kind of been going. This quitting stuff has been going on in this program for a while. And these guys didn't quit. They kept battling. They definitely had some adversity they had to overcome, and it was it was really good to see. Um, so I think the, my main takeaway here. Or not my main but my first takeaway was that the team continued to play hard and that's that's very good um they, they needed to they needed to get this win if they want to go on and, and make a bowl game and, and turn the season around after a one or two start and I, I think there's a good chance that they'll be able to do that uh second positive of the day Ingram, is the penalties were down have you seen have you seen the penalty numbers in this game
0: yeah uh, and that's a, a little bit of a standard on the whole we saw a little bit of a peak or a little bit of a spike there against virginia but this was a a little bit of a return to uh, some of the cleaner forms of play
1: that we saw in the first two games i mean five five penalties over 150 plays is uh, is a tremendous rate uh, not a sustainable rate either i don't believe but uh, but that that's that's really solid um this this crew did not like to call penalties quite as much i'm sure they could have called more uh, had they wanted to, and uh, so that, that was good. I think we'll just kind of do kind of our standard format tonight where we talk offense, then talk defense, and then take questions because there's, I had a lot of time to, to go back and watch the game again. And I feel pretty good about my eval of the team at this point. Um, offense, we uh, I think I went with 35 points, and they ended up scoring 35, so I feel pretty good about that. But yet your prediction was probably even better uh, based on how they actually played right you went with what 38 or 40 I, th- I had the overall game at
0: 38-31 uh, so a little bit higher scoring than you but um,
1: yeah was, I think uh, you were uh, better, we were both though, in the ballpark I mean, three missed field goals uh, would have easily pushed the score higher <laughs> yeah, or, and, and closer to it. If old, if old Ricky would have made
0: two out of three, I would have been uh, looking looking quite bright there. And also, just a real quick note on the penalties number, made all the more impressive that you picked up two out of your five on back-to-back plays at the end of the first quarter. Uh, so you, you kind of clustered a couple and then played a pretty clean game uh, the rest of the way. But uh, an offense that – yeah, really got off the hot start that we've become so familiar with, and had uh, had the kicking been there, it would have been a, a much more consistent day, and maybe not been quite the emotional roller coaster that everybody else went through.
1: Yeah, uh, nine scoring opportunities for Florida State, uh, only three point eight nine points per opportunity. Obviously related to uh, three missed kicks. Uh, if let's just say you get five points out of those three kicks, right? Then then you're up three scores at certain times in the. Uh, in the third quarter, and that helps you out quite a bit, uh, at, at least with, with with your with your anxiety level. Um, we said that they need to get six point three yards a play. They ended up with uh, with seven point zero. That's obviously really good. Seven um, zero is is pretty solid. Uh, that's I think more than what it, you remember. What Notre Dame put up put up on Louisville? I think it was something similar to that. And Notre Dame's obviously a better team uh, than Florida State is by by a pretty good bit uh and so like that's not a good Louisville team it's probably the worst power five team FSU has faced so far but 7-0 a play is is still very good and the way it came was not always pretty but I gotta say like Florida State got good quarterback play in this game really throughout the game and that's probably where we should start but exceeding our uh exceeding our yards per play goal uh of 6.3 by 10 percent uh to get up to seven is is pretty nice so Nice job uh, nice job, offense here, really really carrying the team and continuing to carry it right now as the defense is uh, kind of continues to flounder a little bit. Um, you want to start with Blackman or you want to start with Hornibro? Yeah, let's start with Blackman as uh, James was your starter. Um,
0: really, what I said the instant I, was pretty much what I saw when I went back and, and looked over it. Not necessarily true for all positions, but uh, true for James. I thought he was okay. I think he made – some, uh, steps as far as making the initial decision, we didn't see any more, uh, pump fakes on RPOs, uh, but he still missed some guys running free and it's a small sample size with, uh, Horner Brooke, but you can see the appeal there, uh, in the ability to diagnose a play, maybe a little bit better, uh, than James. And again, we're, we're, you know, we've seen a lot more James and not as much of, uh, of Alex. So don't want to jump to any massive conclusions, but, uh. I thought it was an okay for, Jay, for James and and also kind of all the positives that uh, James encapsulates, encapsulates from a intangible standpoint. It's obvious what he means to the team. Uh, and it's also obvious that even with his knee wrapped up that he was totally invested in uh, the team's outcome and, and getting a positive result. And you can see why that kid's a, a dynamic leader. Doesn't necessarily mean that he's a better decision maker or throws better balls. But uh, you can see why he's as popular as he is within the locker room.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt that the, the teammates do love him. Um, I was kind of right there with you when I watched it, like what, what you said in the instant when, when I watched it the first time. Today and going back, I was kind of actually more, a lot more impressed than, uh, than I thought it was going to be. I, I think this is like one of the best games I've ever seen Blackman play. Now it's only a half game. Now, and there's a couple reasons for this. There, there's some balls he throws which don't actually go in his stat line, right? But they're they're really difficult, like situational balls. The the pass that he throws to Terry uh, with with a bunch of pressure in his face, um, that's on on a longer down and distance, right? And he doesn't get any credit for that as far as the yards because it, it the defender was all over Terry, so it, it draws a, a a pass interference flag. But like if you're grading him out. As a coach, you're giving that to him. Like that's an excellent throw. The defender had to interfere; otherwise, it's a touchdown on like a third and eight from the 35. You know, it's a it's an accurate long ball. It's something that that Blackman, to be honest, has not done very well at times this year. He also throws like an absolute dime to is it Helton? I think it was down the seam uh, when, when it, in the second quarter there. Uh, and Helton's uh, I think it's I think it's Keyshawn. Is, is unable to come down with it. But like that ball is, first of all, I think that's where that ball has to go. And it's not an easy throw to make. I mean, it's in between several defenders and Helton can't make the grab. But like, if you're grading them out, you're giving them plus marks on that all day, like high marks. That, that's a really high degree of difficulty throw. Those are two throws that I don't think Hornbrook makes for you, right? These are sort of some of the examples of some stuff. And we're about to praise them, so I want to bring this up now. That's just some examples of stuff that you know against better defenses that they force you to do things like that that Hornerbrook in his career has not done a good job of right over a very large sample set at wisconsin this is why we went over all the numbers in the preseason of hey how does he do like when his team's trailing or uh, when they don't have a massive rushing advantage and they, he has to you know more win the game as opposed to just not lose the game um he also at, at uh at 0 17 left in the first quarter There's a a, a play that when I watched it live, I was like, damn, he's so late getting that ball out. And it's an RPO uh, that he does complete. Um, But after watching it again, it was actually a really poor snap that made him completely turn to his left. And then he has to spin back to the right in um, in order to fake the ball to the back or decide to give the ball to the back, which I think takes his eyes off the coverage a little bit. So he's a little bit late getting them up. But it was... I thought it was like, damn, Blackman took a long time on that, but it was actually a, like a bad snap there. Um, that was. This is the uh, the throw to Pookie. Yeah, watch this. the uh, the, the snap is totally on, on his left hip. He has to like like contort his body left and then get back to in, in order to fake fake to Acres, and he sees the backer coming up and and he gets rid of it. Yeah, um,
0: no, it's a great. You see blood. what I'm talking about? Yeah, there? you're
1: absolutely right. Yeah, it's so when I was watching live, I was like, I didn't catch it. I, but I, I I go back and I try to watch these all in slow mo, um, just to, to kind of see. That I think the snap screws up the timing of that, and he still gets it complete. Um, so I, I did like that. I, I'm not trying to spend too much time on 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 Black one here, but I thought this was kind of just some interesting stuff that folks might like. Because on the surface, like it didn't look like he played that well, you know. And to be honest, I'm kind of glad you did the instant because I I, I would have said the exact like the exact same, just kind of a ho hum, you know. 11, to the extent you could say 11 and 14 is ho hum, but yeah so yeah it, they're on like the 22 it's a bad snap way on his left you can you can actually it looks like he's about to do a golf swing um and he has to kind of rush and try to get the ball there to cam and the timing's kind of jacked. but he still gets the ball off to uh uh yeah 80 yeah to Pookie, you're right
0: yeah it's a nice play and a, a good example of going back and watching him play a second or third time and uh being fair on a kid for what he had to do to uh, to make a play possible, so yeah, so maybe James had a better day than I uh, gave him credit for. Uh, although it was, he also got
1: crushed. Yeah, yeah, he like, gave himself up. I don't know what up. the hell they were doing protection wise in the second quarter, but like, dude, he was getting and and someone in the third quarter, he was getting rocked. And I was like, "Damn, get rid of the ball!" But like, I don't know on some of these they this looked a little bit like last year which scares me a little bit as far as just dudes running free immediately like like nobody touching him you know and that's not great going forward uh, but he does go down on injury unfortunately and Hornebert comes in and plays well there's some guys in the in the in the offensive line right now that are
0: uh susceptible uh, giving that up a good bit but uh uh, we should talk about Alex and the effort that he had. Uh, statistically, really impressive day. Even more so when you think that uh, three of his incompletions, I believe, were on throwaways. Uh, just a nice day for a kid who uh, makes his introduction about as strong as you can after a uh, a real nice first down run from uh, LeBourne sets up uh, another first down where you end up hitting uh, Keyshawn Helton on, what, a 45-yard touchdown somewhere in that area. And a, a nice little introduction
1: to the offense for Hornibrook, be- very much so. Um, so I, I think with Hornibrook, you're seeing some different things that, than what James gives you. And, and to be honest, I think we actually kind of got this right in the preseason. Hornerbrook probably gives you a higher floor than James does because I don't think Hornibrook is likely to like lose you the game necessarily against the teams that you probably should beat. So if you're trying to go, if you're trying to get the six and six, Hornibrook might actually give you a better chance to get you six and six. Now. Some of his throws here were stuff that were just totally wide open that, look, Hornibrook hits, James hits, Jordan Travis hits, White Rector hits, right? Cam Akers hits a couple of these, I think, which is fine. It's good that he, that he recognizes it and got the ball out there. It's what you want your backup quarterback to do. Like the first touchdown pass, there's literally nobody within seven yards of Helton. I mean, I think Hornibrook gets the ball out faster than Blackman. I don't think that's really all that debatable. But even at Blackman's release speed here, the ball is getting getting to Helton easily, and it's probably a touchdown regardless, assuming that the, the backer comes up on, on the fake, like he did. Uh, especially, I think Louisville might have been misaligned here too. If you watch that first touchdown, um, they're playing so far off with their safety, and the backer is already shaded inside, and then he steps forward for the run fake, and there's just there's no chance. The throw to Terry obviously is good job to recognize, and get it out there. Again, that's a that's not really anything Florida State's offense did so much, but Louisville busted that coverage. We can I think I mean, do you know who's supposed to be covering that? Because I I'm like okay, either the safety or the corner uh, is supposed to be covering. They're not both <laughs> they're not both supposed to be blitzing from the same side of the field. That's not likely uh, to work, and it, indeed it did not. So the big plays that he made to me, were not the most impressive, right? Those are some of the plays I think any quarterback on Florida State's roster makes almost every single time. I was actually more impressed with some of the the more workmanlike plays that Hornibrook made that, that did a, a better job in the fourth quarter, at least, uh, of, of keeping Florida State ahead of the chains. He, he wasn't that great in the third quarter. He kind of had a little stretch where I was like, what the hell are you doing? Like, this is not the consistency that, that we want to see. From the backup. But I, I thought overall he did a good job operating the offense. He seemed to know where to go with the football. For the most part, he was pretty decisive. Um, do you think it surprised him how much pressure was on him quickly? Like being an actual game, like, oh, okay, I'm not in Wisconsin anymore. Yeah, I mean,
0: there might have been moments where he was surprised, but he's also, he's pretty, and I say this uh, in a complimentary fashion, although he is kind of a statue, but he is. Uh, he is kind of statuesque back there when he has the ball. I mean, he looks—he looks like he's, uh, you know, playing playing football, middle school recess. He's just kind of standing up there with the ball at his at his waist, looking to make a decision. He's uh, he's certainly a calm individual in the pocket, and uh, you know, he's not an exceptional athlete by any means, <laughs> obviously. But he's uh, he looked like if he wanted to try to pick up four to six down or four to six yards on a. On a play where it was there, he was pretty decisive in his uh, decision to tuck and run as well. So, uh, some real nice things. We'll see what comes of it, but a, a good little start and a guy who obviously tries to tries to maximize the mental game as much as possible with the idea that he just doesn't have a hose and he's, he's got to make decisions rather than uh, you know squeeze a squeeze a ball within a eighteen inch
1: uh, box. And now with, with, with Blackman's knee injury, um, I, I don't anticipate he's going to play this weekend and I don't know exactly when he's going to be back. It's interesting here, like, in some ways the injury is going to allow you a longer sample set to evaluate Horner-Brook uh, in, in some games, for at least NC State, in my opinion, and, and maybe um, maybe Clemson as well. And hell, who knows, you know, after that, but that we had the bye week between NC State and Clemson. Um, you know, if he, if he takes and, and plays, like, even better than he did on Saturday, he could potentially run with this job. You know, like they like Blackman, and the teammates love Blackman, and it's kind of really sad for Blackman that the game that I think he was playing some of the best he's played in a while, as far as getting the ball out quicker and and making the right decisions, ends up being the game where he gets hurt in, uh, but they they're paid to win, and like if Horner Burke's playing really well, like really, really well, uh, even better than he did on Saturday, I, I think he could end up taking the job and running with it potentially. I do think that it's interesting to note, though, that this was probably the—well, there's no probably. This was the second-worst defense you faced this year. It's not as bad as Louisiana and Rose, who, by the way, gave up 72 to Iowa State, I think. If you want to know why Florida State's rating on SP Plus in offense dropped this weekend from 13 to 19, it's because uh, that's opponent-adjusted. So you're also rated on like what other teams do against the teams you played, and— when we only scored 38 in regulation, and Iowa State scored 70 something through three quarters, that is a uh, that's a good way to see your offense not look as good <laughs> comparatively. And we called that out, by the way. I will say on this show, everybody's like, "Oh, the offense was fine." I was like, no, 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 it's not. Like, you need to be scoring 50 plus in regulation against that Louisiana Monroe defense. And you were right on that. They they that was not a very good game from them on that day. Uh, but Man, like, what a luxury it is to have Hornerbrook as your backup, right? Like last year, well, I guess it's not a good example. Last year you did have James, but a lot of teams probably don't have somebody come in and play at that level. No, give
0: him credit. Yeah, Uh, we bang on him all the time for the inability to get enough tackles in. uh, And this was this was the other position that they had to go get a suitable. Uh, body and a guy that maybe wouldn't necessarily come in with a guarantee that he was going to be the starter and that's exactly what Alex Hortenbrook is and uh, you know win percentage is a a pretty laughable uh, look at how to evaluate quarterbacks but uh, it does give you some idea that yeah that's a capable college quarterback who is uh, you know able to come in in situations like this and if we're going to bang on them, and rightfully so, for the inability to find that, uh, when it comes to the line of scrimmage, uh, should give them credit for what they did behind center.
1: Exactly right. So um, the one play I was most impressed with at Hornibrook was, I would say, the ball to DJ Matthews. Right, and it's not even like a great, great throw, but it's one that he had to make. It was kind of one of the one of the only real plays where he was backed up and actually had to make a throw that wasn't like an RPO thing. Which is probably a good illustration of one of the differences between him and James. Like James is better at that, I think. And Horniburg, I think, is better at the RPO game and making quick decisions. Um, Which is part of the reason why I think Horniburg is more suited to help you win the games you're really supposed to win, but probably not as suited to help you pull upsets. But excellent catch by D.J. Matthews there. But I feel like
0: we've been given Madison Social an awful lot of focus and for great reason recently, whether it be the lead up to the, uh, Boise State game and the tailgate or just our own personal experience that we've had there. But, uh, hey, look, don't, uh, don't forget about Township. Township is an incredible place and on, uh, On the day, maybe my favorite place to go sit down in Tallahassee, have a beer. Uh, It's just a wonderful kind of beer hall atmosphere. Uh, I know this sounds like a strange recommendation, but I promise you, if you go and try the uh, pretzel, you'll uh, be—I don't think you'll be disappointed at all. Uh, Right across the street from uh, from the flagship that is Madison Social, but Township uh, flies its own flag and does so very proudly. Wonderful place. Something to keep in mind as are all the For the Table restaurant group uh properties and as always we thank them for the support that they give the Nolcast.
1: Probably enough on the quarterbacks. I know we have some good stats on the old line coming up, we need to talk about running backs here real fast. Another really strong day in in my opinion uh o- overall. Like not the not an incredible day. You could tell that Louisville, I think, was selling out to stop the run a lot of times. And that's probably why Florida State's quarterbacks had had such a big day. Uh, through the air, I mean, what were they? Thirty-four throws for like three ninety something. I think it was. That, that was not too bad. But on the day, Cam Akers hundred twelve rushes or 100, not hundred twelve rushes? That would be a lot. Uh, hundred twelve yards for on, on twenty nine carries. Uh, Blackman pitched in twenty uh, on three carries. Hornberg eighteen on three, and uh, LeBourne eighteen on two. Pretty solid. Cam makers. The, the one thing he really missed in this game, he actually I think had had some really tough runs that that won't go down as successful and certainly aren't highlights. He just didn't have the long run, right, that would really jack up his um, his overall carry average. But he was he was pretty dependable um, and and help, I think helped Florida State to stay like not ahead of the chains because they weren't always ahead of the chains, but at least just not you know, behind the chains. His long run on the day was was eighteen. And the O line I, I didn't think played played all that well against the Louisville defense, which is just not that great. Uh, but nice job of Cam Akers and uh what he had, he had one drop or two drops in the past game. So a little bit disappointing there.
0: Yeah, real close to hitting a couple long ones in the first quarter that uh, would have made his stats look a little bit different. But just an exceptional uh, effort from Akers all around has turned into an incredible asset when it comes to uh, pass protection. And, uh, man, the moments from LeBourne are small, and we've talked about some of the concerns with playing him, uh, but... Uh, you got to try to get more out of that uh, individual. Really talented, makes some incredible cuts. I'm not comparing him uh, to <laughs> a certain individual, but he does make uh, some very impressive uh, kind of one-plant cuts and puts himself in position to uh, make people look silly at times. So I uh, would love to get a little more production out of him. And uh, I've realized what you've got to do with Cam, you got to give him – the ball again and again and again right now uh but would love to supplement uh would love to supplement a little born a little bit more
1: yeah i i completely agree with that uh, also blackman had a 67 percent success rate so two of his three carries were successful hornbrook uh one of the three but still not not a huge deal there Akers also added 21 yards on uh on, on three catches so offensive line Man, I gotta tell you, like I, th- I think that they were—they actually, in some ways, regressed a little bit in this game. They they allowed more pressures, I think, than than the sack rate actually showed. Uh, they they only allowed two sacks on the day and five tackles for loss. But there were there was not a whole lot of movement gained. I, I didn't feel like. Did you feel like the O line was ever actually pushing Louisville around? It, it seemed like they were at best stalemating them for for the most part. No, you never really see any of that.
0: I mean, I think your two best players are probably your two guards right now. Although Bavian is has played better uh, and at least shows some some sign of gaining traction. Uh, Seventy-five is a is a big liability, and that's unfortunate. But that's just probably the way it's going to be. Uh, but no, you don't you don't see a whole lot of movement uh, either way when it comes to the line of scrimmage right now. Yeah, I,
1: I completely agree there. Some interesting stats, though, from David Hale. I think this is a good example of of how Florida State is managing to hide its pretty bad offensive line. Uh, David Hale of ESPN, obviously a lot of Florida State fans don't like him for whatever reason, probably because he covers Clemson. But, look, if I was attached to cover the ACC and I was getting the paycheck to do it, I'm damn sure covering Clemson because Clemson is the only thing this conference has going for it right now. Uh, so he says here, comparing the first four games, 2018 to 2019, FSU quarterbacks are being pressured and hit. At essentially the same rate, the difference is that opponents are blitzing significantly more often—19% in 2018 against 29% in 2019—to get the same pressure. Well, thank God, because last year when they got that pressure uh, and they were able to put seven back in pass coverage and only rush four, your, your goose was cooked, right? I mean, it was, there was no chance that you're going to succeed if you're allowed to—if you can get blitz-type pressure, rushing only four and you can cover with seven. It's night night termite for the offense. All right, so that's actually good that they're that they're forcing teams to have to blitz them a little better. I think that part of that is their their assignment sound their assignment soundness is that even a word uh, is better this year. They have fewer overall in the season free rushers. Well, I felt like they had more in this game where where guys guys kind of came free, and i will have to go back to the film and see why that's happening so that other teams uh, don't replicate that. Uh, in the run game, though, uh, he said FSU's allowing the same rate of runs stopped at or behind the line of scrimmage on first and second down with seven or fewer defenders in the box. So that's definitely concerning. 24.7 is 24.1, so basically the same there. Uh, the big plays, however, are more frequent. 16 runs of 10-plus on 79 carries in 2019, so that's you know pretty good. Uh, versus 7 on 97 in 2019. Uh, in 2018. So the rate of 10 plus yard runs uh, has more than doubled for, on a frequency basis, which is really good. I think that's something we've seen so far this year. Uh, they've been able to outscheme some people, not really move them physically, but outscheme some people, get them out of position. The offense functioning more cohesively has really helped in, in that regard. And in the backs, when they're actually getting a hole, are, are really doing a nice job with it. Cam Akers uh, in this game allowed only a 41% opportunity rate which is not that great. So uh, that that helps to explain some of his, his 38% success rate uh, rushing the football. I thought Roberts had a decent game overall, but did have some mental mistakes. And, and the quarterbacks, they, they did get hit a lot. Unfortunately, uh, your starter, James Blackman, goes down. I will mention I did not downgrade Florida State at all uh, for this game against NC State in, in my like power ratings for betting purposes when uh, when, when Blackman went down and Hardenbrook uh, came in. So like with some school, I'll definitely downgrade them quite a bit depending on the quality of player loss and the quality of replacement. but specifically with this game against NC state i don't I don't think that the downgrade is is worth uh, worth an actual downgrade going from Blackman to Hornerbrook uh receivers would you like anything about the receivers other than like nice to see Terry catch the ball and actually I think blocked a little bit better in this game? I thought Gavin blocked his butt off and uh it seems like they have a number of guys that they definitely are starting to trust some. Pookie Wilson with the dependability is always, always out there. It seems like Treshawn Harrison caught a couple of balls and is, is getting more involved in the offense. Um, I mean, obviously, Keyshawn Helton is very dependable. And then a week after being suspended, D.J. Matthews uh, comes and, uh, and makes that huge catch there to extend the drive upon which Florida State eventually scores.
0: I think the – Wide receivers are improving. I think uh, it's a positive sign as far as the level of coaching that they're receiving. Uh, Gavin, uh, there's one play in particular that's made its way around on Twitter. Uh, fantastic blocker, great effort. If only he would catch the ball. It would be quite a quite an intriguing wide receiver prospect. Uh, but the wide receivers are doing better at little things like uh, running the ball back to the officials. Uh, you can just see that they're becoming a little more Comfortable with pace of play, what's being asked of them. There's still a couple plays that the ball snapped, and uh, the wide receivers either looking back to the sideline or not aware of what's going on. But the level of play from the wide receivers is uh, trended pretty nicely over the course of the season, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. Um, the the blocking really, like you said, with the Gavin play was was pretty cool to watch. So really quickly here, I thought game management uh, by by Willie was kind of up and down. In this game, uh, the the lack of using timeouts before the half I thought was poor. Uh, it kind of forced Florida State to end up settling for a field goal try. There's was, there's was no reason to allow Louisville to, uh, to to run off that amount of time down there. You have to anticipate a, a Louisville touchdown, and your your goal at that point uh, is I mean, look if, they, if you if you make them settle for a field goal, that's fine, but your goal is to get get the ball back to your offense uh, with with as much time. As possible. And uh, and they, they didn't do that. So I thought, I thought that was uh, I thought that was rather poor.
0: I think the trend for the season has been uh, really good football math when it comes to situational decisions and really poor use of timeouts. I think those things have been yeah. consistent and they're obviously not the same, uh, but it's it's ironic as to how juxtapose one one part of the game is managed and the other is, is kind of grossly mismanaged.
1: Exactly right. And the thing is, I don't know, it is frustrating. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of improvement there on some of the timeout usage. With the fourth down stuff, they definitely went for the fourth downs, I think, at the right times. Now, the the Aguayo field goal from 51 that he missed, I I didn't really love that call, to be honest. Uh, fourth and sixth from the, for from the UL 34. I'm probably going for that, um, but I'm also probably not throwing deep on the third and six, right? To me, that's a real zone where you can throw a screen, you can do something, you can run a draw, potentially pop it, but get, you know, give yourself like a fourth and four. But still, for me, with, with a college kicker, unless you have like one of the best in the nation and they don't, fourth and six from, from the opponent's 34 is a go. Um, so I didn't like that one necessarily. Obviously, the one at the end of the second quarter, you didn't have much of a choice, you know, because it, it's
0: yeah. Well, what you, are you going to do? Yeah, you boxed yourself in with your own mismanagement of the clock. There, uh, completely agree. And the the field goal at the end of the game. Uh, so you're
1: so you're going to go up by seven. I think it was. Look, I don't think the analytics say to go for that, or excuse me, excuse me, say to uh, say to kick that. But at the same time, I really don't. That's not one you're going to convince coaches to uh, to to go for. I don't think. I mean, they're like, look, it's it's down there. It's basically like an extra point distance. The kid didn't miss the extra points, blah blah blah. It puts up a touchdown with like under two minutes left to play, etc. Now they also had the uh um the the bad snap play, right, which really hurt them. That was their other that was their field goal that that they uh that they had to take. But there's no choice but it's a fourth and 17, 24. You got to kick. So. Good job going for a number of fourth downs. Um, yes, if we can review the the other one, it was the correct call to take the points off the board. You know that old that old trope about don't take points off the board. Total nonsense. Definitely take the points off the board. Your 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 points expectation right. there is much higher than three <laughs> on first and goal from the uh, from the one. Yeah, take the points off the board. They did so disappointing uh, use of the timeouts before the half. Good job going for the fourth downs for the most part. Good job taking the points off the board. I don't know if, if he deserves credit for that because it seems pretty obvious, but hey, whatever. You want to talk defense? This is kind of a more interesting discussion to me.
0: Let's talk some defense. It's uh, it is and some highs and lows, but uh, and a couple of efforts turned in by players that we hadn't otherwise seen.
1: Yeah. So uh, let's review our goals here. Five and a half yards per play. They got it. This is like this is like like when you when you. You know, when you got that that seventy-one for the D, right? As opposed as, as opposed to like a sixty-nine for an F in school. They got five point four seven allowed. That is that's not much. But they they did meet our goal, Ingram, if we're not rounding. Yeah, yeah, by ever,
0: ever so slightly.
1: Success rate of fifty percent or better on standard downs. God, I thought we were being pretty generous with this one, and they still failed to hit it. They allowed 53% success rate on standard downs. Just just allowing way too much soft coverage on standard downs, in my opinion, not forcing enough passing downs uh for Louisville. And uh but with that, they did do some other things fairly well in this game, and I think there are some some signs of, of improvement, right? Uh, they did allow 50% or fewer drives uh, to go five or fewer plays, so that was good. Assuming that you take out the fake punt pl- uh, drive and you break that into two separate drives, so overall they basically like exactly met but didn't exceed two of the goals, and they uh, slightly failed on one of them. So they they're almost they almost did exactly what we were thinking they they should do, not that they necessarily would do. So. Fifty-three uh, percent pass rate on, or excuse me, success rate on on standard downs is too high for my liking. Um, however, they did do some really good stuff here, right? They largely were able to um, to do a good job against Louisville's run game, which has been a very good run game throughout the year. I mean, it's only been three games, but still, they allowed almost no explosive runs. So that's the first kudos I'm really going to give to the defense here. Yes, they allowed too many runs to kind of go for that four or five yards on on first down, which was not any good. However, if you look at their explosive runs allowed, the longest run they allowed of the day was 16 yards. The second longest was 14. Nothing else went for 10 or more. So I can live with this. If they want to be like this level conservative with with these type of results there, for the most part, if they're able to uh, have a success rate around 50 on standard downs, which I don't love, and they need to be creating more havoc there. If they're around 50, but they're not allowing any explosive plays from the run game, I, I think I can live with that. Now on passing downs, they were uh, they were really good. They, all, they allowed a 29 percent success rate, which is honestly better than Fort State. Fort states was 26. But we knew for a fact that these guys don't pass block well when, when they, they don't have the run game advantage. That's not so bad. They did allow a couple explosive pass plays, but overall, I mean, some of those, some of those explosive pass plays were a little bit fluky, right? Like the the, the seventy four yarder is a ball that uh, um, Asante Samuel gets his hand on, right? Like that's not something I think that you're really gonna didn't fault the defense for that that badly it was just a really nice play by the kid and then the uh the other long pass they hit with the uh uh, with the wheel route you had had hops and run run into another defender it's not really like you're not really getting beat physically on those which is good i think that could encourage the defense to play even more aggressively in the coming weeks because at times in this game they did play aggressively Clearly, clearly their goals were to take away the run game, which they had some success in. They limited the explosive rushes. They did not allow Cunningham to rush uh, on them hardly at all. I mean, he was, what, 11 for 22, but an 18% success rate. So a pretty good job there, right? Only two of his 11 runs were graded as successful. That's pretty solid um, overall yeah he I, had, I, he I had the one
0: uh, third down pickup on a broken play third and 14 third and 16 something like that uh, that was
1: crazy man like that, that was crazy that was like, that like felt a, like, like a ball
0: yeah and a kid just it felt like something you'd see in high school where a kid just juked you know four guys in the route to picking up 16 yards but uh other than that he was pretty limited in what he did with his legs, and that's a quarterback that you have to have the idea of containing in the back of your mind. thought they did a really good job
1: about that. Absolutely. Um, now, they still did allow the short throws too often. I know we, we, we took a look at this before we hit record. Uh, so on pass plays, on standard downs, so first and ten, second and seven or fewer, third and four or fewer, right? They had 20 pass plays on those downs, half of them were successful i i just think that's a little bit too much and they're they're still allowing too many of the short throws to be completed too easily right eight yards nine yards seven yards six yards eight yards nine yards ten yards that that to me is a little bit um it's just a little bit too frequent of of allowing success on those and, and i want to see them play some tighter coverage on those if they can but at the same time i know they were pretty you know pretty focused on taking away the run and yet they weren't allowing a whole lot of explosive pass plays in this game. So, I mean, granted, their rating was high, but I'm kind of okay with the fluky nature of how some of those came, assuming that it's not necessarily repeatable. And part of their way that they really took away the other run was just awesome play by the defensive line. Very strong day out of those guys. I really like what I saw.
0: Yeah, uh, a lot of positive things. Felt like uh, I mentioned Robinson and, and Cooper specifically on the instant, and I was only more impressed by when I went back and watched them. 91 had a uh, – man, if that's if this is an idea as to how that kid's adjust to college football, again, this is not a great offense by any stretch, but hell of an effort. And then uh, Janoris Robinson turned in a couple of plays that I just didn't think he was – there's a play in the second quarter with uh, I think five or six minutes left where – it's a second and five. He takes on Louisville's tackle, sets the edge about five yards in the backfield, forces it in. It's just a, a play that I didn't think Eleven had in his had in his locker. And uh, the, by no means was that his only play. He was just exceptional throughout most of the game and a, a level of play
1: that we had otherwise not seen from him. Let me ask you this. Do you think Florida State's plan was largely to stop the run, take away the explosive play, and see if, if – if that kid Cunningham could complete shorter passes against them on a consistent basis. Cause I, I kind of think that's what it was. And I understand why, cause he's really not that great of a passer. Although his numbers are really good and they sacked him like six times. So that's <laughs> pretty impressive too. I just, I would like to see them get off the field even quicker. Uh, 13 possessions in this game. Overall, but a pretty good job by the defense of containing him too. Like how many how many scrambles do I think he had the one scramble for sixteen. Other than that, they very rarely let him get outside the pocket and do any kind of damage, actually running the ball. He had a couple throws on the run that he completed, but a pretty good job of keeping him there in the pocket. Pretty
0: good job, and they were also. They, Louisville didn't do this a ton, but they gave a couple option looks. Uh, Florida State was was pretty well prepared uh, for some of the things that they did. That uh, I wouldn't call I wouldn't call an option play an exotic at all, but some of the some of the non traditional things that uh, that you see from week to week. So, a uh, good level of preparation overall, um, and uh, you know the defense is. It's not a not a poetry emotion by any means but certainly seems to have cleaned up uh, some of the more glaring failures of the first two weeks
1: at least against the run game I, I'm right there with you with the pass game uh you know we'll, we'll see um like I said some of the longer pass plays were the ones that I'm a little more willing to forgive some of the 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 like the intermediate ones were, still a bit of an issue in my opinion uh the linebackers pass coverage are still a bit lost Uh, I thought I thought Leonard Warner by the way uh, from the linebacker perspective how do I say this he was like physical and present and yet I can still very much understand why the staff last year had some hesitations with him in terms of not triggering getting downhill quite quick enough there is a big run I think in the uh, second quarter or fourth quarter? Because I'm trying to think about which way Louisville's going here. Uh, but I, I'm pretty sure Warner just busts his assignment on this and doesn't come down to fill, and, and thus the, it, it's a it's a zone run going into the south end zone, and the stretch is to Louisville's sideline. You know what I'm talking about here? Uh, and and I think the guy, I do. Yeah. the guy just slashes yeah. upfield. I'm like, oh, okay, that's uh, that's a blown gap because <laughs> I. I looked at I, I looked at the line first, like, all right, so, like, who got blown off the ball? And it really wasn't anybody. I'm like, okay, well, somebody's not filling from the secondary from the backers. And that's, I, I think, what it was there. Uh, but not too bad moving inside to, uh, to Jaden Woodby's old position. Woodby, by the way, I thought had a pretty nice game before getting injured. So nice to see that uh, maybe when he comes back next year, because he is out for the year, unfortunately. With that injury, and it was, and I was so sad to see him. He's a kid that works really hard, all the field and also off the field. But he's going to be done for the year, and that's uh, they they got some issues there. Certainly at linebacker, didn't play didn't play Brooks a lot though, which is, in my opinion, a step in the right direction. I just they're at some point they may end up running out of bodies uh, at at defensive end at linebacker, and that's probably going to expose them. In some of their tougher games against the really good offenses in the league, right, like a Clemson, well, obviously, or a Wake, um, you know, Syracuse may have gotten on track this weekend offensively. So we'll have to see, but uh, but that's just pretty decent job, I would say overall against the run from the front from the uh, front seven, especially limiting explosive plays, and with, with the pass game, nice job getting pressure on the quarterback. The the back end coverage, I still have a lot of issues with this defense. I think they're going to get exposed down the stretch, probably multiple times. And people might say, "But but they've already been exposed." I'm like, "Yeah, well, the the beatings will continue, right?" Um, that's just not just not good there. Um, again, I I renew my call for more aggressive defense, um, not from a blitzing perspective, but just from playing like more aggressive, tighter, more shallow coverage and making people throw it over top of, you, over top of your head so you can get the ball back for your offense. Ingram, picking out a family law attorney is not something you should take lightly. It's a really important time in your life if you need the services of someone who practices family law. And we have somebody for you. That's Travis Johnson of the Metter & Johnson Law Firm. You can reach him at 850-435-9919. Travis is over a decade practicing family law. That's divorce, custody, guardianship, a variety of other family law matters. He's board certified. There are only 280 board certified family law attorneys in the state of Florida Out of more than 10,000 big time null cases all throughout the state will come to you. Give him a call, 850-435-9919. That's Travis Johnson of the Meder and Johnson Law Firm for all your family law needs. what do you think about the DBs? Oh, by the way, uh, McCray came in and played some snaps and I thought the results were like really mixed. So for everybody calling for McCray to play more he he, kind of. He wasn't always in control, and on the day I thought Florida State tackled well, and he did not tackle that well.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's some plays where he flashes just because he he pulls the pen in a quicker manner than anybody else on this roster, and and so uh, he was one guy that in the flow of play I was uh, more impressed with than necessarily when I went back and watched. Um, yeah, not a not a ton of plays, but. If that's the level of play, fifty-one is going to give you. I, I would expect to see more of him. Not a not a fantastic day, but a, a solid day from Josh Brown. Uh, you saw you saw a little bit of a higher level of rotation overall at linebackers. I think there's some things to work with, McCray, and I can see the appeal there. And I also may think that that's a kid that's been told like, "Hey, look, we need aggressiveness. We need people that are going to diagnose fire." And I think he may be trying to do that to set himself uh, apart from the rest of the linebacking core who doesn't seem to want to do that frequently uh but <laughs> it is not as uh it is not as appealing in review as it was
1: maybe in in real time when i went back and looked at it very active for sure i mean like like he's yeah he's he's trying um doesn't fully know what he's doing yet but that, that's okay the future's bright i think assuming they get better coaching there
0: at some point and this is a, a secondary thing. I'm not to nitpick on the kid, but I on that one, uh, on Louisville's first touchdown where they kind of set that, I don't know if that's a tight end throwback or what they hit there. Um, I'm pretty sure Kyle Myers has a darn good chance to break that ball up. There's just too much too much hesitancy there. That's a, a veteran kid who's, uh, when you watch it live, honestly thought he could have intercepted it. When I go back and look at it, it's not as he's not as slow breaking on it as I thought, but that's a, that's a ball. You're in a place to knock that down. And I don't think you're being unreasonable to expect
1: a, a veteran player to make a better play on that ball. I, I completely agree with you. Hamsa, uh, I think had a pretty decent game overall, but you know, obviously he, he ran into his name on the wheel route. So that was not good. Um, and in Samuels, we already went over this, uh, but, uh, or not Samuel, Samuel uh, tipped that ball and uh it, it was it was caught deep but that I mean do you fault him for how he played that I feel like like he did a decent job get if you get a hand on that ball 90% of the time I think that's broken up right like the, the guy's not coming down with that catch for the most part if you're able to actually tip the ball which he did and so I I don't like I'm the coach I'm not not grading him down for how he played that ball really so.
0: I mean, that's the kid when you go and you recruit that kid, that's the type of play he's gonna make. He's aggressive as hell. That's how he deals with playing at the size that he does. Situationally, could you think, yeah you know you're you're in a place there where maybe you give up the play and not the touchdown, but uh I think that's a lot of retrospect. Uh, or hindsight being twenty twenty, I'll put it that way. I, I don't have a whole lot of problems. I haven't moved from what I said on the instant, which is basically that's what you're going to get out of him. And if we want Florida State to play at a more aggressive level and not give up these long, prolonged drives, then yeah, there's going to be some touchdowns involved that are pretty frustrating. But uh, I think you got to realize that's what comes with it.
1: Absolutely. Uh, corner play, I thought, was a bit up and down overall. I. I still feel like 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 Samuels is just given too much cushion. They're, they they throw a good number of you know, seven eight yard comebacks in front of him, and I, I just I need him to jump one of these at some point, right? Or at least like like get back there in time to make a pass breakup. I don't know if he's afraid of getting beat deep. We know he doesn't have the best long speed out there, but uh, but man, that's like. Hmm that that's where some of these short throws are going. If, if they're not going at the backers and they're being completed, I think at too high of a, uh, too high of a rate. He could be a little bit better in tackling too. Uh, he's
0: it seems a little, uh, I don't know, snake bit a little hesitant, uh, on some of the more physical aspects of play. I, you could see him play at a little bit of a higher level when it comes to some of his run support as well. Exactly.
1: All right. Uh, you want to get to some uh, some questions, but well, most of these questions tonight I think are from our our Patreon members and you can go to uh, what was it patreon.com/nolcast.
0: Yes sir, patreon.com/nolcast. Uh, appreciate all the support that we've received there uh, trying to be as active involved. Got some tickets that we're giving away to this week's game and uh, having a having a good time over there. Chris asked the first question. How did the corners play this week? Well, Chris, uh, I'm sorry, sir, but we just answered the vast majority of your question there. Uh, coaching is a problem, but are we seeing
1: improvement? Well, not sure we are. Yeah, not enough improvement for, for my taste. Um, the, I will say that I think that they're a little bit better in the run game, but I agree with you. There some physicality issues still that they need to work through. Um, you're not really seeing a whole lot of guys run wide open on the corners, though. Right? Which is good. Like, they, they – I mean, do you remember any that, that he just totally missed that were just wide open? I'm trying to think here. No, I don't. So, that, like, that's a little thing, but that's actually a good thing because last year we did see some guys who were just running wide the hell open at times, even though this defense last year was much better uh, so far than it is uh, – than it's been this year. All right. Uh, MJ asks – it still looks like the quarterbacks are holding the ball for a while. I thought that one of the main points of Brow's offense was getting the ball in or getting the ball in fast. Do you see the same issue? If so, is there a reason to hold the ball for so long? Guys covered wrong routes. You know, I, I think on on most of the the plays on the standard downs, they they did a pretty good job getting rid of it quickly. I think we we discussed the one uh, where the the ball was a uh, the the snap was poor and it kind of screwed up the play. What you have to realize here is on those RPOs, um, you're, you're sticking it in a running back's belly as you're reading whoever you've designated to read, typically the linebacker, but, but sometimes the safety. Uh, and so you're making a decision, if the safety or backer comes up, uh, then you're going to pull the ball and throw it. So that does take a, a, a second of time. There, in order to protect the offensive line, um, the protection being afforded to the offensive line is essentially comes from the delay in which you create in the rush uh, by thinking, okay, it's a run, it's not it, it's not a pass, right? Or it's a pass, not a run. That's the one way you protect the offensive line and you buy yourself some time with, with the fake. I think there's a bit of a misconception that Browell's offense, because the ball is supposed to come out quickly, it's quickly after the fake there. His offense is not all quick game, right? It's not all just snap throw, snap throw, snap throw. Now there's some of that in there, and they do run some quick game. In fact, there's the one pass protection where uh, I think Blackman gets killed or, or might be Hornerbrook, but all the offensive linemen cut block. When you see that, you know that's supposed to, that ball is supposed to come out basically immediately because the, the purpose of the, of the simultaneous cut block by the whole line is to get the hands of the opposing defensive line down for a half second so you can get the ball out so they don't tip your, your throw. The issue there, I think, is that the, the route was covered, and so he couldn't get rid of the ball. And at that point, if you can't get rid of the ball on that, the play is essentially just dead. I, I don't have a huge problem with, with the speed at which the ball is coming out, for the most part, in this game. In prior games, I thought Blackman did hold on to it a little bit too long. At times, and I wanted to see the ball out, ball come out quicker. I thought, for the most part, Hornibrook was pretty good at it. So I don't, I don't, I don't fully agree with MJ on this. Um, and, yeah, I do think there's at least one play – in this game, where the primary ran the wrong route, too, to, to, to his, his question about about wrong routes, because there's one play where Blackman eats it, and I I don't remember who it was, but you can tell he was definitely expecting him to run something different than he actually ate or than he actually ran.
0: Third question comes from Chris Chris. Chris, ask (laughs) Chris, ask: Do we need to adjust our win total expectations down for this team as they continue to experience mounting key injuries to starters?
1: Well, I I think it probably depends on um, on what you have it at now, right? Like if you have it at six and six or five and seven, I would say no. If you are the type of person who adjusted it down to three and nine after the UVA loss and back up to eight and four (laughs) after the Louisville win. Then, then yeah, you may you may want to uh, lower it down some. The issue is, like, do we think this team is going to get better coaching throughout the year so that the defensive improvement and like teamwork among the defense is better enough to so that it overcomes the loss of like a Kendo be. And I, I do not right. Like, I, I think those are, are fairly important losses to your defense, and I think you're gonna gonna feel a lot those losses throughout the rest of the year, right? You don't have that many guys who you trust to play defensive end, which is one of the reasons why you went to the 3-4 in the first place because you really didn't think – I mean, look, obviously Marvin Wilson's a stud and is is incredible every single game, but he's not really a true defensive end. Durden has been playing pretty well. Obviously, Cooper is not a defensive end. You you almost need Briggs to step up here, I think, because you don't really have a whole lot of other great options there. But, yeah, I I would – I don't think the defense is going to get a whole lot better this year, uh, simply because of of some of the personnel issues, but it could get better. I think part of that is, is coaching. They need to be more aggressive with their coverage. You know, I, I want to see them get in that range where, you know, maybe forty percent of drives are, are are going six or more plays and not fifty, right? That just just get off the field a little more frequently, even if it means giving up a long score. I really believe if you get this offense. The ball 15, 16 times a game, Florida State's going to be really hard to beat. Like when, when Kendall Browse teams can run, you know, when those offenses can run that many plays and get the ball that many times, they do really well. So, by the way, great job pointing out Janarius. I I, I I didn't have that in my initial notes and I, I, I should have. I just, I think because you said it in the instant too, but he played a hell of a game, man. That was, that was very solid. And Florida State did a pretty good job creating havoc there. I just think they need to find a way to turn more of those four and five yard runs into two and three yard runs that's kind of my one one of my criticisms here and it seems small but it really does set up what happens on successive plays you know the ability to successfully or unsuccessfully or rather legitimately or non-legitimately threaten the defensive play action do it down in distance all that stuff matters to me they have too many of those runs in that kind of four or five range allowed. And and they really need to get those down to that two, three range if they want to have more success. Andy asks, how long until live game cast and or commentary on Twitch? We are going to do it. Um, We're thinking about maybe doing one at halftime. I got to find the right place in the press box to do it because you don't want to be a total douchebag and do it like with other people next to you who are trying to write, you know. And I'm just out here talking loudly and answering questions. Uh, yeah, we are we are going to do. Uh, we're definitely going to do one. We will figure that out um, how to do it. And we, my guess is we'll end up doing a couple this year. Uh, but I'm I'm going to try to at least do a halftime one. I I think this coming Saturday. More details on that probably in the preview show if if we're able to do it. And then we're going to do at least one where we do the commentary like during the commercial breaks of games and that'll probably be a road game. I'd have to imagine. So I can do it from the comfort of my own home. So yeah, that that stuff is definitely coming. I think people are going to enjoy that. Larry
0: asks, do we feel that with this, win, the staff can build momentum in the locker room that can keep them trusting the process, especially after a tough game ahead with Clemson?
1: Well, um, yeah, I I think so because it's, they were able to come off of a tough road game at Virginia in which they weren't supposed to win. They ended up getting the lead there. They had a chance to win it, and and they failed to do so. And yet they came home. They refocused. They played pretty hard. They didn't have huge mental breakdowns in this game, which was which was good. It wasn't like they were lucky to win the game. So, yeah, I think they can build positive, positive momentum here. They need to get a win this weekend if, if they want to go to a bowl, in my opinion. If you, if you get the win this weekend— I think your bowl chances end up looking real good. Um, if you don't, then, then you're going to an uphill climb because you're not going to beat Clemson. I don't think you're going to win on the road at Florida. Uh, and then you're going to have to win some games in which you're going to be an underdog probably, right? Like, I think right now you're an underdog at Wake Forest because I think Wake could drop 40 or 50 on this defense. Um, Syracuse at home, Miami, Boston College, Alabama State, we can pretty quickly here see the need to, uh, to, to beat NC State this weekend. But I think they can build on some things. From this win, and they still have plenty they can point out uh, upon which they need to improve.
0: Yeah, I think one of the real things that you have to give credit to the staff is that they've kept this team, uh, and they have not lost them. And look, all the uh, all the ingredients were there, both in the losses that they've suffered and in the way that Saturday played out. Uh, Look, you lose your leader in the offense and eight plays later or seven plays later or whatever it is, you turn around one of your young leaders, the overall programs, getting an air cast and carted off uh, that, that has impact on kids. And, and to have that kind of two concentrated injuries like that uh, really was a, was a real gut punch to, Uh, everybody associated and that's the way you can kind of accelerate the process of losing kids or starting to feel sorry for themselves whatever it may be Uh, I'll be exceptionally critical of this coaching staff but at least when you're speaking about this year uh, I do give them credit that they've continued to uh, seemingly keep the locker room and the vast majority of these kids fight at times where uh, maybe you could expect them to do otherwise
1: I would have thought they would have quit Several times, and they have not done it. So that that is definitely something the staff deserves some credit for. Uh, hey, let me ask you a question here. This is not from a Patreon member, but I want to throw it out because I was at a quarterback club tonight with, with the Deland Quarterback Club, and I, I enjoyed talking to every every uh, every year. Got asked from a guy in the crowd. He said, "Hey, like knowing what we know now about the APR stuff, uh, and and the budget cuts and whatnot." If you're Willie, would you have taken the four State job if you could do this in hindsight or would you just stay at Oregon?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to remove hindsight when having a th- question thrown at you like that. Uh, but obviously, that's the premise of the question. Yeah, I think if Willie maybe had a full a full idea as to what he was getting involved with in both the APR and the locker room uh, in some of the – surrounding aspects that make this job a little bit more complicated than it is normally. Uh, that, At the yeah, time, I mean, especially. Yeah, it might still be in the Pacific Northwest.
1: I think I agree. I mean, the, the recruiting class he had put together there was going to be the best in Oregon history. Like, if I had known how many problem kids there were on the roster when I took it, and, like, I don't think he knew that, and the APR stuff, which we know he definitely didn't know fully because, you know, they still had the December numbers, to, <laughs> you know, the, the, the final semester numbers to come out uh and the budget stuff which definitely didn't know yeah i don't think i would take it even if, if if it's your dream job it was not really a great time to make it higher in some regards um okay here uh number six uh we don't have a name on this one but we appreciate your patronage anyway if this did come from patreon member, with blackman sidelined uh for now do you anticipate any changes to what they will ask if hornerbrook is qb1 he looked more comfortable with the reads but the arm strength is different than jb1 is it ever yeah uh okay so the one thing i think you'll see more is even more rpo game i would i think that he's very good at that from what i've seen he seems to make the right decisions on that and is is pretty good at, at, at the handoff uh, pull throw decisions and, and reading the defense on that so hell i think that's something they have wanted to do more with blackman and that's something he struggled a little bit with at times this year don't you think they're, they're, they're going to ramp that up too, especially against the teams that, that it can work against? I think so.
0: That, uh, absolutely. That, that question was brought to us by Austin there and
1: very much appreciate it. All right. Uh, so uh, we have uh, Trey asks, an idea how much of the improvement on defense side of the ball can be attributed to Jim Levitt? It seems like, like since he came on, the defense has markedly improved the last two games. Do you expect any uh, coaching changes announced during the bye week? So I I'm just I'm just not convinced this defense is that much better, right? Like they played an offense at UVA which is what are they like a bottom they're not in the top half of the country. So UVA's offense right now is 80th in the nation. Not great. And Louisville's is uh 68th. To be honest, like I, I don't I just don't think the offenses they've played the last two weeks are, are any good. So I'm I'm very skeptical about these defensive improvements being made that much. Now I will say the D-line has played a little bit better. The competition has not been quite as good. And they they've done a better job limiting the explosive plays than they have, although they've not done a great job with their success rate defense, which is my, my main concern with them. Um so I Somewhat struggle to answer the question because I don't think Levitt's done that much so far to help this defense. It's really just not that much better, um, I I don't think, uh, so far. Now, some improvements. If you can attribute some improvements to Levitt, if you want, maybe the run fits by the backers are a little bit better than they were before. Although that, like, how do we know like the Levitt value over replacement here? If you wanted to go with that metric, compared to how this team would do in Game Three and Game Four just from having more experience in the system and the natural changes that the staff might have made but i do think he's been a net positive for the staff i haven't any anybody over there tell me like oh no it's bad it's a bad move um, but could you have coaching changes in the bye week i think it's possible i haven't been told it's going to happen but i would definitely make Levitt at the dc if he's going to be on staff right here and tell barnett to have a day yeah
0: yeah i think it's possible uh, i think that was originally maybe the plan and then all parties agreed and said, Hey, there's not a whole lot of, uh, there's not a whole lot of time to waste. I might as well start, start now. Uh, once there was some type of agreement as to, uh, come back on staff. So that, that
1: wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I've not been officially told that's going to happen. I want to make that clear. Uh, what personnel changes do you anticipate might be possible given the injuries to 13 and six, are they going to start moving a few pieces or simply stick with the backups of these positions? Well, I'm trying to think about who they would actually want to move here. You got any ideas on this one? I'm trying to think. Like, like, I know who I might want to have, want to move, but then i got to think who would actually play yeah, I mean, in somebody you could, else's you spot. You
0: maybe see Hamza Nasruddin being moved around, but uh, that's, again, one of your better players. and I'll Would just you play Gantler if you do that? Uh, possibly, but this is not this is not Madden where you can just go in and change everybody's position all the time. And, you know, it has, has an impact on kids. And uh, I, it's not as easy to do as I think a lot of people think where you just have somebody go in and line up at the other position. Having said that, uh, both Warner and Lars would be (laughs) looked, looked like they were more natural fits from basically the first possession uh, in this game at, uh, at their respective moves. So uh, we'll see.
1: So I, I think I agree with you there. The the real answers to this, in my opinion, additionally are you need you need Jawan Britt or not Jawan Briggs, but you need Dennis Briggs to play a little bit better and give you some more consistent snaps because you can't have Kane Doe playing seventy five snaps in a game. I'm also interested to see how long they can get away with playing four down a four down line of Wilson, Cooper, Durden, uh, and Robinson, um, and Robinson, who, who you were referencing earlier, yeah, correct. Sorry, like playing a guy that big on the outside in a four down is not something you usually see a whole lot of, and, and they did a good job in that game to protect that. So that's actually some good coaching there. But I think if they keep that up, you're going to see some teams probably be able to exploit that a little bit more, and so that's definitely something to uh, to keep an eye on. They really need Briggs to be able to step up there. And then on, at the outside backer position, I think I think Gainer is is somebody potentially who could be a bit of an answer. Uh, but also, like, what about Deloach? Deloach is a very athletic kid. When yeah, I'm surprised we haven't 14-5. seen more of that.
0: I, I I don't know what the issue is there. I would have thought we would have seen uh, of all the freshman backers, I would have thought uh, Deloach and, and McRae would be uh, would be consuming a, a decent amount of snaps, and really haven't seen a whole lot of. Glenn either, so maybe that's a situation where he has an opportunity to come up. Behind-the-scenes talk is very positive about that kid. They think highly of him. Uh, they think I've heard whispers that they got a real steal. So, maybe maybe you see him on the field earlier than maybe some would have imagined.
1: I think you're right. Okay, uh, Marat says, it seems to be as a coach, Taggart uh, uh, lacks managerial experience in a large and demanding school football program such as FSU. How much of the team's issues around lack of discipline, accountability, and performance Or a result of his lack of managerial experience seems like he's learning on the job. Well, I I don't know how many folks you could get to come in necessarily who have a lot of managerial experience at a big school, right? Like he had legitimate step-ups everywhere he went. He went to Western first, and then he went to USF, which is a step-up. And then he went to Oregon, you know, for the year, which is a step-up. You're probably going to learn on the job pretty much anywhere you go unless you're getting like, you know, Saban coming back. I think there certainly that has that has something to do with it, though, right? I, I I don't know if it's avoidable.
0: Yeah, if you're a social media user and you saw some of the uh, odds associated with the Florida State and the Michigan job today, uh, maybe that's a maybe that's a reminder as to not just this program, but what's out there right now when you go around looking uh, at head coaches and almost everybody comes with a little bit of a a deficit of this type of level coaching experience. So I think that's just what. Kind of part and parcel of the position.
1: Yeah. And I also, those odds are ridiculous. And oh, they I are. Think just, they are. But it's like a total PR stunt just to get people to look at that sports book.
0: Absolutely. It is. But it's also reflective. First of all, the first, yeah,
1: it's it's reflective of some of the positions uh, and people out there that would be associated with it. All right. I pulled up my email inbox today and I had a email from one Shannon Young and he titled it Another Closing awesome hey guys we have another closing today can you send a new shirt too and then he gave me the guy's name who i'm not going to to read on the air but uh congrats to josh in clearwater josh in clearwater he was able to use uh use shannon we'll be sending that that shirt out to you congrats on on your new home and i I like this dude we're we're kind of damn near 40 on the loan closings with resolution home loans in just over a year so See, clearly, a lot of NOLCAST listeners really love using Resolution Home Loans. Shannon's a great guy to work with. 844 FSU Loan or FSUHOMELOans.com today. Find out why almost 40 NOLCAST listeners have decided to go with Resolution Home Loans for their home loan needs. All right, uh, Derek says Am I wrong for being embarrassed by the announced tenants against Louisville? I understand fans are frustrated that Tallahassee isn't exactly easy to access. Uh, or to get tickets to a uh, very cheap, uh, less than fifty thousand at home get conference game seems absurd for a program like FSU. Hope to see a larger cr- crowd for the state game. No, I, I don't think it's ridiculous to be embarrassed. It's also not ridiculous to understand some of the reasons why some people didn't come. Like we've said, this has been just kind of four seasons in a row where the optimism for the season is essentially sucked out in September. You know, like you're you're going to fall well short of expectations. That you had preseason for four years in a row now, and you knew it in September. And in fact, I think you could probably argue that you're going to follow the most short or the least short of expectations potentially in this year, right? Like if you were a seven or eight win person, there's a good chance you're only going to be off by about a win, uh, win uh, and a half. If you win in this weekend,
0: years, yeah, yeah. If you win this weekend,
1: you're pretty much almost in line with where we thought you might have been. I mean, that's like, think about that for a second there's a legitimate chance that this year comes closest to meeting the preseason expectations <laughs> of any of the last four years. Think about what's happened in this year so far, right? That's crazy. But yet like 2016, you thought you could be a national title team and you get 63 dropped on you by Louisville in you know, 2017, obviously 2018, you nowhere we're close. This could be the first year that they're actually kind of close to expectations, still not meeting them, but, but you know, maybe the lower bound of them, I, I, I right now I'd give them like probably like a I don't know what do you think a twenty percent chance of seven and five or better maybe. That I think you're
0: uh, I think you're staring at six and six at this point. So yeah. I do
1: too, and and I think five and seven until I see more improvement in my eyes from this defense. I think five and seven is more likely at seven and five. But I'm I'm willing to be swayed. Right, Boston College, by the way, will note was outgained by records by like one point three yards per play. Y'all. I think we're right on Boston College. Their defense is just absolutely collapsing. Now It's a tough game to you know get off the Miami game and get up there and play, potentially, but at the same time, BC might totally quit on the season there. So, Miami had a little bit of struggles of their own, by the way. If you look at that box score, <laughs> well, boy, that did is they. crazy. Yeah, yeah that is crazy. It was absolutely crazy. So, I've got the box score here. I'm looking at some of this stuff, and I'm pulling this up, and this is totally off topic, but people seem to like when we go real long on these, and it's late as hell, but. First of all, I thought my computer was broke because of all the red that popped up on my screen. And, and Inger could tell you that like, with these box scores, like bad things are in red, green, like, good things are in green. <sighs> Miami paired a 56% first quarter success rate with a, tw- with a 21 in Q2. Uh, that's a pretty good drop. They were unable to hit like any big runs. Their, their rushing success rate was 33%. Passing actually was fine. Standard downs they're pretty fine. Have you seen what their what their success rate was on passing downs against Central Michigan? Uh, yes, I saw that earlier today. 11 percent success rate on passing downs. That that is a bit of an issue. Um, that is the brightest of red shades, by the way. And yet they still like they outgained CMU by about sixty percent per play, which is huge. Five two to three two. I mean. Central Michigan kind of held the ball longer. Miami seemed to screw up at very, very like frequently. Not not at good times. They got some issues protecting the quarterback, and I don't think they're quite as creative on offense. And they definitely don't have the experience on offense like like Florida State does. Um, but yeah, man, they're they got they got some real issues there uh, on on their offense that need to get ironed out. Because even if you give them the bit of the doubt and you said, okay, whatever, I don't know, whatever happiness you want to find in this, they still only had 5.2 yards to play at home against Central Michigan. Like that's – they're kind of bordering on like real issues on offense. And yet I still think Miami's going to go 8-4 and four better because their schedule is just tissue paper at this point. Uh, they'll be favored, I think, in all the remaining games. Maybe Florida State will be the the one they're not favored in. We'll see. But that, that's a winnable game, for Florida State. It's not a game that they that you're like, yeah, they're definitely going to lose that. Just just something to keep an eye on there. there. There's some games on the schedule that might end up being might end up being more friendly than than you've already played. So we have a uh, three que- or two questions left. Um, and I, I do think they'll have a better crowd for NC State because it's parents weekend, by the way. So that, that's, that's a positive.
0: Parents weekend, night game, I think you'll, you'll see a little bit
1: of an uptick there. Yeah. Stacy says, Aguayo, he's never been consistent. Time to move on. Well, he, he had a real nice start to the year and then just I mean, totally crapped the bed. Yeah, uh the
0: three uh, the, what what is concerning about all three of those kicks were doomed from the second they left his foot. All three to the to the left, uh wide left immediately uh from from point of impact. I don't know. I don't know that uh you look at Fitzpatrick uh, immediately, but going off some of the answers that uh Willie Taggart has given, it certainly appears as though there will be a competition there. As there should be. Yeah, there there definitely should be should be some competition. <laughs> Uh, for uh, sure. Kid out of, of Colt County is going to get his chance. Uh, Art asked the final question, and that is, with the lack of game-changing talent in the current offensive and defensive line recruiting class, <laughs> uh, this is a positive one, combined with an attendance of 45,000 at best, are we witnessing the Miamiization of the Florida State football program? Some very diehard fans and recruits who will always be interested and or invested in Florida State, but not pulling the big out-of-town crowds anymore whether it be for recruits or fans.
1: Oh, boy, Art, that is a hard hitter right there uh, to to end the show. I'm going to say, like, for a minute, yes. Is it something that has to be long-term? No, probably not. I I think Florida State's problems are a lot more fixable than Miami's are, despite the fact that their geographical problems are, you know, more difficult to deal with. Um, But – for right now, yeah, yeah, for sure. That's uh, that's kind of depressing.
0: Yeah, we said this a couple of weeks ago that uh, that the, the you know the Miami crowd shots were coming and uh, just get ready for it, and that's going to be the case. Uh, although, thank the Lord that you, that you did win this game, or else that could have maybe been even more exaggerated. Uh, from an infrastructure standpoint, I think Florida State's in a better perspective uh, than Miami from a from a pretty noticeable. Uh, different place of operation and i think florida state's in a better better overall situation but yeah yeah there might be a little bit of 18 months of a of a rough patch here so uh to end the program on a positive note uh want to give gabe neighbors some credit not somebody that we touched on has been involved in a level this year that would have been hard to expect and if you are playing fantasy football and took a uh Took a late round pick with Gabe Neighbors. He's, he's certainly paid off with some of his production so far.
1: Good call. And McKitty uh, has actually played decently. Yeah, too. McKitty's they're, played they're, real they're well. They're getting more of their tight ends than I realized, except for. We we've not seen Cam McDonald uh, contribute like we thought it like we thought they might. Haven't seen him at all. And one final
0: meaningless note is that Louisville's second touchdown is laughable, how that ever gets la- how that is allowed. Their their running back is moving towards the line of scrimmage as though it's Canadian football and somehow the <laughs> two officials just look at it and, and don't blow a whistle at all. So yay. Yay for that. They kept their flags in their pocket. They they let they let All the day. kids play on Saturday. Yeah, they certainly did. Whether it be holding or uh acting like you're in Canada or
1: whatever else. So have, yeah. have you uh have you seen this apparently I I did not get to actually watch the Miami game. Central Michigan had a drive in which they had ten goal to go plays. <laughs> uh I did
0: not see that. No, I saw some condensed highlights of it, but I I don't remember that sticking out to me.
1: I'm gonna have to go uh I'm have to go watch it now. That, that seems pretty awesome.
0: Not uh, not that I ever found myself cheering for teams that were coached by Macklin frequently, but uh, damn, that would have been a would have been a nice victory for for our old friend the uh, the water the water sport enthusiast uh, that he is. So uh, tough break there.